Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. And hello, welcome in. We move to the middle of February. March Madness is just around the corner. And saying that, IU, I think, squarely back on the bubble after a road loss 76-61 at Michigan State over the weekend on Saturday afternoon. So the Hoosiers with lots of work to do and a huge, huge game. I think the way things have shaped up here with two losses, now actually three losses in a row, and a home game coming up on Tuesday against Wisconsin. This is a game Indiana really, really needs to get before they go on the road uh, next week, which is a moved game. It's been pushed back later. The Ohio State contest moved from a Saturday to a Monday game, I believe. So we'll talk about all that today. I use back in, I think, danger zone as far as the NCAA tournament goes, uh, and lots to get to here on this Monday program. We're rolling into a great time of high school basketball. We've got Silver Creek, the local girls team still left that is moving on to the semi-state round, and they got a favorable draw. They'll play at Jeffersonville on Saturday afternoon with the one-game opportunity to get back to Indianapolis and play for a 3A Girls State Championship here in a couple weeks. So we'll talk that today and plenty else. Uh, let's look at the show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Segment one here in just a few moments, Scott Shane, the girls coach from Silver Creek, will be with us. We'll recap his team's regional victories. They have had some real challenges in the postseason, and this team has really glued together, as you would expect those that have experienced all the success they have during their high school careers to do so. They got a couple nice wins on Saturday, and as I mentioned, they are heading just down the road to Jeffersonville this week on Saturday for a one-game semi-state opportunity. Later in the show, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Stars with us. Zach always joins on Monday as we talk the latest in IU basketball. So we'll cover uh, the Michigan State game. We'll look ahead to the Big Wisconsin matchup coming up Tuesday night with Zach when he joins us later in the hour. And then we always wrap up our Monday show talking local sports and a lot of basketball, especially this time of year with Chad Gilbert. He's the athletic director at Charlestown High School, former coach in the area, IHSA executive board member as well. And we'll go through lots of hoops over the weekend, and we are really close, close, close to getting set for the boys' postseason as well. That draw coming up next Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening. It's going to be here before you know it. So entering a, just a wonderful time of basketball here in the area. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well. 
at Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Let's get into our opening segment. Our first guest is Scott Shane. He's coach of the Silver Creek Lady Dragons. They had a regional semifinal win. It was a good game, 48-44. Creek able to hang on to get to the championship game at Charlestown on Saturday night, and Silver Creek ultimately winning that finale on Saturday, 53-39, over an upstart Gibson Southern team, and the uh, Dragons headed back to familiar territory, back to the semi-state. Coach Shane, congratulations on a great season and a great postseason as well so far. Hey, man, thank you. Thank you so much, man. It does feel good to still be playing, you know. Uh, it feels really good to still be practicing and still be working and still be scouting. Coach, I tell you, your team has really been challenged over the course of the sectional and especially in that morning game Saturday at Charlestown. Uh, that's what I like best about this team. Here late in the season, you guys have uh, been able to get through some really tight situations. Yeah, yeah, no, and, uh, you know, and, and – in the past, man, our road is not easy. You know, we play in the toughest sectional, I think, uh, you know, in Southern Indiana, as far as deep wise, man, I mean, every team, you know, every team can, uh, can beat you, you know, in, in our sectional. And then our regional, I feel is a, is one of the, one of the tough, you know, one of the toughest three, a regionals, uh, in the state. Uh, and you know, the morning game against Rushville, you know, that's a very, you know, I, I tell people, I say, we don't know a whole lot about Rushville in this area, but Rushville's won 33 sectionals. They have coach Marlowe, who's won over 300 basketball games, you know, they have a rich tradition, and the kids know how to win, uh, and they play so hard and scrappy, and they're so good at what they do, you know, hit her style and spread you out and drive you. And, uh, you know, we were fortunate to get a, get a, get a W there uh, in that game. And then in the night game against Gibson Southern, you know, it was a little bit of different, uh, different beast in the fact that Rushville had five, six kids on the floor that could score, where, you know, with Gibson Southern, they had two stud players, you know, two guards that were, uh, you know, a freshman, sophomore, uh, that were really, really good. And, uh, you know, it took us a little while. Uh, you know, what was really good, and I know I'm talking a lot, what was really good was I thought in the morning game, uh, Kennedy put us on her shoulders, you know, and, and scores 24 of our 48 points. Um, and in the night game, uh, you know, it was more, you know, it, it was a point where they were focusing on her and trying to take her away, and our, our other kids were able to step up and, and, and play really big for us. Coach, uh, you, you took the next question right out of my mouth. Kennedy Mason Stryverson, obviously, 24 points in the morning game. She came back to lead your team with 14 in the night game. Uh, there's no question, in tight postseason situations, having her on the floor is got to be comforting to you as a head coach. But her and Emmy Rooney, two seniors, two ladies that are very experienced in some of this postseason basketball and, and two that have helped get you to the top. Their roles were a little different last year, but those two in the postseason, if I'm Scott Shane, I'm on the sideline in a tight game against a solid Rushville team, I'm much more comfortable that I've got those two leading the way on the floor in the game. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're just proven winners. You know, Matt, they're, uh, no, they're, they're, they're just proven winners. I mean, you know, Kennedy, that's, that's everything she plays on uh, is successful. You know, Emmy, Emmy, Emmy is just a, a, a warrior. You know, she will do whatever – ever is asked of her and that means if she's got to face guard somebody if she's got to knock down the jump shot she just then like i said the, the best compliment i i could say is they're they're winners and uh, it does it you know whenever i look out there and i i see kennedy with the ball in her hand or or emmy taking a jump shot you know some sort i you know i feel i feel very confident scott shane coach of silver creek headed back to the semi-state my guest with us here on this monday edition of our program. Coach, uh, the semi-state location, you don't really find that out until late in the evening on Saturday after you win a regional. And the last two years for you guys, 
uh, it's been a favorable uh, location for you. You don't know if you're going to be at Jasper or Jeffersonville. Those are the two girls' semi-state locations in southern Indiana. Uh, for the second year in a row, you go to Jeff, which is, what, 10, 12 minutes from the Silver Creek campus, and really easy for your fans to get to, really comfortable for your players as well. Nice to have that kind of right in your backyard. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice to uh, – it's basically a home game. You know, we, it's basically a, a home game for us. And we've been blessed the last two years. The fact that, uh, you know, the regionals at – well, the regionals at Charlestown and, uh, you know, the semi-state's been at Jeff. And, uh, you know, we don't have to – we don't have to stay in hotels. You know, our, our parents are, are – you know, they don't have to, to find somewhere to eat in between games. We don't have to travel real far. Uh, so we've been very blessed in that aspect of things of – of being like, like I said, it like a home home crowd. You know, last year in the semi-state uh, at Jeff, man, you know, with COVID and everything, that was the first time really all season that we felt like it was back to Hoosier hysteria. You know, that place was rocking and packed. I think it even made the news. You know, but uh, but no, we, it'll be fun, and 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 I really appreciate our community. I appreciate our student section, man. They've been showing out for us. And, uh, you know, we're really going to need them on Saturday. And since it's only about a seven-mile, you know, five- to seven-mile drive, it, it, it won't be too hard for them. Absolutely. Let's talk about Bishop Chittard from Indianapolis. Uh, they are 18-10. and 10. That's who you'll take on at 3 p.m. in a one-game semi-state. What's the early scouting report? What have you learned about the Bishop Chittard? Hey, just hard playing, man. You know, they just play really hard. Uh, you know, they, they, they play a lot of kids, uh, you know, and, and – they they all can score. They 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 all can handle the ball. They're long, but I, it was funny, man. I was watching him and I was telling Coach Hoffman. We were he asked last night we were at a Super Bowl party and he said, "What do you think? What, what's Chatard?" I said, "It reminds me of Providence boys teams back in the day, like back in that day. You know, just hard, just hard nosed kids. You know that uh, that that are hard to score on. You know, they're going to make life tough. Uh, you know, uh, you know we're going to have to." You know we're going to have to speed them up a little bit and uh, and hopefully you know use our athleticism, uh, you know into our favor. But but no, it's going to be a tough game. Uh, they're well coached. They run a lot of five out stuff. Uh, you know and they just try to dribble drive you and, and then they just try. You know they just defense. They just lock you down. So it'll be fun. Coach, I mentioned some of your key players back from last year. Obviously there are others on the roster as well that are experienced and add so much to this team. As you go through this postseason journey once again and find yourself one victory away from Indianapolis, uh, the other players that have stepped up, the other players back from last year, maybe some that were bench players a year ago in that state championship game in Indianapolis, they've had to they've had to log some minutes, they've had to score some points, they've had to contribute in different ways. It's kind of neat to look back on last year to this year and see the development of some of the players that we were really weren't seeing as much or talking as much about last season. Yeah, and I think that's what's special about this year, you know, is uh, is the fact that we 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 graduated. I mean, we graduated a great class, you know, that class. I mean, they won a state championship. I mean, it's a, you know, college basketball players, and then to watch these other kids grow. But those kids had to practice against those kids every single day, and, and you know, like Lacey Tingle. You know, Lacey Tingle is doing exactly what. Uh, she had she did in JV last year, and exactly what she did in, in, in practice against our varsity. Uh, she, you're seeing it. You're just now seeing it. You know on, on display. Um, you know Sydney Sirota, who who you know I mean she basically was a starter for us last year, uh, but now you know she was playing half a game. She and Emmy would split. You know time. Uh, now you're seeing Sydney Sirota uh, at her. You know playing 30 minutes a game. So you're getting more of her. 
um, you know, and, and I can just keep going through the through the the kids, you know, Lacey and then and and Sid, and then you know, and we were lucky that uh, you know Meredith Wilkinson. Meredith didn't play last year. Uh, she wanted to focus on soccer, and uh, you know, six foot girl in the middle, you know, and, and a skilled six foot kid in the middle. Uh, you know, that was one of our our main targets in the off season was hey, we have to get her back. You know, we have to get her back playing, um, and, and 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 you know, she was kind of on the fence, but uh, but then you know she she decided to play. And I think she really, you know, really helped us uh, in that aspect uh, of she's been playing really well, you know, rebounding, giving us some length. But then I can't, you can't forget about, you know, Reese Decker, Hallie Foley and Lydia Wright, you know, uh, you know, Reese, Reese I thought was phenomenal. She's been phenomenal in the tournament, uh, was huge in the Gibson Southern game, huge for us. Um, you know, she got some rebounds, you know, knocked down a big free throws in the first game. But, uh, but no, those kids, you know, you're just seeing them. I mean, they're just getting their opportunity. They, they always could play. They were just playing behind really good players. All right, Scott Shane, head coach at Silver Creek, headed uh, to the semi-state on Saturday. Coach, I think all of Southern Indiana wishes the very best the rest of the way. It's nice to have a local that's made it this deep into the tournament. A great bunch of girls, great group of coaches. Always appreciate our chats, especially in the postseason. And let's hope we can do this a handful more times like we did last year. That's I'm looking forward to that, man. Because you know, like I said, we're 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 just having fun. You know, everything we do, we're just having fun and enjoying the moments. Absolutely. Best of luck, Scott Shane, with us here to begin our Monday program. The Dragons headed to Jeffersonville on Saturday. That's a 3 p.m. game, and they'll take on Indianapolis Bishop Chittard again for Silver Creek. They are one game away from a state championship appearance and one game away from a potential rematch with a very, very good South Bend, Washington team that you may remember from a year ago. The Dragons got them last year. A lot of those same players are back. They've had a great year in northern Indiana, and that could be another great finale if both of those teams can find their way to Gainbridge Fieldhouse this time in Indianapolis site of the 3A, all the state championship games on the girls' and boys' side as well. All right, don't forget the Thornton's text line is open, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. You can send in your questions and comments for our guests. We've got Zach Osterman coming up in the next segment to talk IU basketball. Also still ahead, we have Chad Gilbert, AD at Charlestown High School, former coach, lots of basketball on the docket with him. Don't forget Thornton's is the perfect stop for all of your best pick-me-up items that you need to get your day started, like their fresh coffee and delicious donuts as well. We'll head to a quick break, back to talk IU hoops with Zach. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. We're back here on this Monday program. Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star with us each week as we talk the latest in IU basketball. Don't forget the Thornton's text line is open. You can send in questions and comments about the IU Hoosiers to 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. Well, Zach, a big game coming up Tuesday. Really a tough week for IU overall 
and coming out of the loss to Michigan State on Saturday. I think the Hoosiers are still squarely in the NCAA tournament if you look at most bracketology projections and if you look at the Hoosiers and their net rating. But uh, I'm beginning to think, and I think a lot of people are in agreement, that this team is trending back toward being on the bubble uh, and unknown for the upcoming NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you have to think that. I mean, you lose three in a row in February. You're gonna, you're you're gonna start creating some questions for yourself. Um, you know, at the same time, you're right. I think like it, it's the sort of proverbial. If the if the field was selected today, they'd probably be in it. Um, but they've got some things they need to fix. And and I mean, when when I say things they need to fix, they've got some stuff that they need to be able to manage here over the last. I mean, really, three weeks of the season, that's all there is left, essentially. Um, and just find a way to, you know, kind of mitigate some of their shortcomings because it's not like you're just going to make this – that stuff's not just going to go away. It's, it's you know, it's Valentine's Day. Um, <laughs> we're too close to the business end of the season at this point. We are in the business end of the season. But you find a way to mitigate that. Pick up some wins. You know, I mean, if you're Indiana and you could win Tuesday night, that would be – uh, and I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility at all. I know Indiana, obviously, the Wisconsin defeat in Madison was very frustrating, but it's also worth saying Wisconsin was a team Indiana was up 20 points on uh, on the road. Um, you know, this is a game Indiana can win at home on Tuesday night. You win that, and that does take a lot of the pressure off, I think. And, and so it this is this is kind of a, a tough time of year, I think, for IU fans. Um, they've been snake bitten a lot in the last few years. I think there is a, a rush to feel that, that all problems are existential. Um, you know, when, when we've just talked about kind of some of the, the February's and Marches Indiana's had to weather the last few seasons. I think Indiana's problem right now is pretty simple. They just can't score the ball well enough. They're just, you know, they're not, they are not scoring the basketball effectively enough and efficiently enough to win games in the big 10. And if they can get, enough of that back and if they can even maybe just hold serve at home they're probably going to be okay and are they going to be amazing no but this is also the kind of time of year where i find myself saying a lot that fans really need to understand that most ncaa tournament teams aren't amazing they're just good they're solid they're all right and they do enough especially if you come from a conference like the big 10 they do enough to build a resume worthy of making it and and that doesn't mean that they're going to you know, pull up any trees once they get there. But Indiana, for Indiana, you've just you've got to find a way to kind of stop the bleeding here, and a lot of that's going to be about how you can score the ball a little bit better. Uh, Zach, I was looking at some of the shooting stats from Saturday as you talk about the offense sputtering. You know, I think Indiana was able to win a lot of games this season because their defense was so good, and at times their offense added some fuel to the fire to help, but. Uh, recently the offense just hasn't been enough. I was looking, Miller Cop was one of three, Parker Stewart one of seven from three-point uh, range, Trey Galloway's 0 of three. And overall, I think shooting, the best shooting percentage in these last three losses was 37% from the field against Northwestern. You've talked about some of the offensive struggles, but the defense that this team uh, was kind of keyed by a few weeks back is no longer enough to help them to victories when they have such dismal shooting across the board. Uh, Field goals overall, two points, three points, even free throw uh, uh, percentages have been bad here recently. And I think even those those two-point percentages, you know, if you go look at those, I know people like to talk about the three-point shot with Indiana. I understand why. 
but even those two point percentages have, have really dipped. Um, and, you know, you, you, quite frankly, and I'm not pinning this on any one player, but like, you know, if you want to know where to start, I think I was running some numbers this morning. Trace Jackson Davis is averaging something like 12.7 points in his last seven games. And some of that is about the way teams can defend him when they don't feel like they can respect the three point line. We've seen that before, but we've also seen Trace Jackson Davis quite frankly. I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist. If I'm Mike Woodson, I might be asking a few Big Ten officials why, uh, you know, why Trace Jackson Davis is suddenly getting to the free throw line a lot less than he was a couple seasons a season ago, two seasons ago. Um, his free throw rate is way down. Um, you know, it's, if I'm if I'm Mike Woodson, basically I'm pointing at some of these numbers and I'm saying, well, listen, they couldn't space the floor last year, and you were still giving them those foul calls. Where have those gone? Because suddenly we're not getting them now. But it's not just about that, obviously. It's it's more about just the balance of, you know, Indiana being able to go inside, play through Trace Jackson Davis, get back outside. It feels like more often lately, and, and, you know, this can be what happens when shots stop falling. It feels like when the ball goes inside, it kind of stops there. You know, the offense, which ran very smoothly at times through the post, whether it was Jackson Davis or Race Thompson or even sometimes Jordan Geronimo, um, it just feels like when the ball goes in the post, it kind of stops and then the offense kind of stops and then, you know, everything just sort of gets a little bit more stilted, a little bit slower. And, you know, when you can't compensate for that with, you know, making some of those tough shots from the perimeter or having somebody that can, that can create a shot of their own outside of Xavier Johnson, you know, it just, it starts to get difficult. And I think it's, it's one where on the one hand, it, it probably feels a little bit like Indiana's got to fix everything. On the other hand, I don't think anything has just cratered. I think basically what's happened is you've got an offense that doesn't have a lot of margin for error. And so if everything is just, you know, maybe the proverbial 1% off, then that's going to add up a lot quicker. And if you can get just a little bit of that fixed, or you can, you know, frankly, even just have a good shooting day at home, I think it'd be okay. But I think what you're seeing when you talk about that offense-defense relationship is, you know, a lot of these games Indiana's been playing, they've managed to keep them close. Even Northwestern, when they were shorthanded, was close, you know, late in that game. Uh, the Michigan State game, I know they lose by 15, but, it, you know, that game, Illinois game, too, to some extent, did not feel, frankly, like they were outside Indiana's control until the final minutes. And I think what you see is just sort of the rubber band snapping of that defense just not being able to hold on when you can't make any shots, when you're going through such extended periods of, of offensive malaise. And, you know, if, if you're Indiana, you've, you've just got to, you've got to find some of that again. You don't have to suddenly start bombing from three or, you know, dunking all the time or shooting 30 free throws a game. Obviously all this stuff would help, I suppose, but it, it's more just, Again, it feels a little bit like everything is just a you know two percent, two three percent off where, where is is kind of optimal for this team. And if they can get some of that kind of back in place, they should be all right. And, and if you look at what they've still got in front of them, again, you know if if this team just wins its last three home games, Wisconsin, Maryland, Rutgers, I think that probably is enough. Um, but you lose any of those three home games, you don't add anything with a road win you know, it starts to get pretty dicey. And, and you you also, I know the committee doesn't necessarily, you know, this committee says it doesn't consider less 10 or whatever, things like that, but you keep trending in the wrong direction, it, 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 it can't add up. We've seen that happen to Indiana teams in the recent past too, where stuff starts to add up and all of a sudden, I think, I think guys feel like the weight of the world is on their shoulders. And 
you know, then people like me are saying, well, you know, is, is the, you know, the sort of hysteria from fans, is that helping? But then fans say, well, it's been five years, it's been six years, how much longer do we have to wait? And then we do start to get into kind of these, these existential conversations about basically which comes first, fan patience or team performance and, and, you know, how you get one without the other. Uh, and then we're just kind of back into this, this cycle that Indiana has been locked in for a while here. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis star. We'll ta- we're talking IU basketball here on this Monday program. Zach, for Indiana to make the NCAA tournament, for Indiana to have a good week this week, whatever you want to look at to move positive, do you put the number one thing on your rating of improvement, offensive production, uh, shooting basically to, to shoot the ball better? Is that the one thing with just a little bit of improvement that can change the course of things, how they've been going these last three games? I mean, yes, frankly. And again, like a, a, when I – I think it's important to keep like sort of a, a level of, of perspective. You know, you, you say it there and I think you say it right. It's three games and I'm not acting like Indiana was a perfect team, you know, two weeks ago, they weren't. And I think anybody who thought, you know, for example, that Indiana was going to be in the mix for the big 10 title this year, I, that always felt really fanciful. Um, Indiana always felt to me, like basically just, I don't know how you quantify it, but somewhere between a seven seed and an 11 seed, and there's not as much of a gap between those two groups of teams as people would think. It's, it's often a difference of three, maybe four games, combination wins and losses. Um, you know, a couple more quality wins, a couple fewer, uh, you know, damaging losses, and all of a sudden you go from being like a 10 to being a seven. I always thought that's kind of what Indiana was, and Indiana's obviously picked a, a bad time to kind of go cold here, and some of it's also probably exacerbated by what happened at Northwestern with the suspensions, and I get that. But the the broader point here is Indiana didn't forget how to play basketball. It isn't like they've – they haven't been living on borrowed time. They weren't making 50% of their threes for a month out of nowhere and that never seemed sustainable and that's why they were winning they've just dipped a little bit here and they've dipped in a conference where dips like that are going to get punished and you know if if they could have found a way or if they've been full strength against northwestern we're probably not talking in such sort of extreme you know oh gosh what kind of peril is indiana in now terms but they are in a situation where they've just they're playing some substandard basketball at a time of year when it's not ideal to be playing it. The flip side is if they'd been playing this, this kind of basketball, let's say in January and they hadn't beaten Ohio state, Minnesota, or Purdue. And I'm just pulling those three out because they're three, they're three games they won in January, but let's say they'd won two of their last three of Illinois, Michigan state and Northwestern. Well, they wouldn't be in the NCAA tournament conversation right now. We would just be saying they'd be trending toward it if that makes sense. And so it's kind of one of those where, on the one hand, this is not a great time not to be playing well, obviously. On the other hand, if this is just a blip and they can get it fixed, and obviously they've got to get it fixed, that should go without saying. If this blip had come in January, then they probably wouldn't be in the NCAA tournament picture right now. They'd just be starting to play their way into it, and we'd be saying, well, what does Indiana do need to do to keep trending toward the NCAA tournament? This is why those wins in January were valuable. 
you've got to find a way to arrest this a little bit. And yes, for me, it, it does start with scoring the basketball. I think the defense is still good. It's still solid. But if you look at the offensive numbers, I mean, for the first time this season, at least once we got a meaningful sample size, Indiana's outside the top 100 nationally in offensive efficiency. They're just, they're not scoring the basketball at an efficient enough clip. Now it's all right for that to happen at a Michigan, you know, at Michigan state, it's excusable enough for that to happen when you're so shorthanded at Northwestern, you can live with it even at home against Illinois because Illinois is, is a very, very good team, but you've got to find a way when you need it. And, you know, Tuesday night is a game where they need it, not necessarily because if they lose Tuesday night, they have no shot at the NCAA tournament, but because Tuesday night is the kind of game that if you win it, that gives you breathing room again. That stretches you out again. It, 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 it entrenches you further in that NCAA current tournament conversation. And then all of a sudden, you get a week off. That Ohio State game is going to be tough, but that's Ohio State's, what, third game in five days? Indiana's going to be playing them on the Monday night, and then you get Maryland at home. That's why I say you find a way to win two of these next three, and we're not, you know, everything's okay again, essentially. And no, that doesn't mean Indiana is soaring. And yes, Indiana should have greater ambitions than just to squeeze into the NCAA tournament. But this is where we start, sort of start talking about perspective. Indiana hasn't been in it in six years. It's the first season under a new head coach that remade half the roster in the, in, in the offseason. You've got to take this in steps. The first big one for Indiana is getting back into the tournament. To do that, they've got to start scoring the ball better. All right, Zach, I want to talk with you a little bit about Tuesday night's big one, Wisconsin coming to home to uh, Bloomington before this team goes on the road and plays at Ohio State. Fans will remember, I think it was a 22-point lead late in the first half, maybe even at halftime against this Wisconsin team when IU went to the Kohl Center much earlier in the year. Uh, so obviously the, there's hope. There's We know this team can compete with Wisconsin, but uh, can they close the deal this time at home? I think a lot of it uh, surrounds what uh, the team does from an offensive perspective, as you've done a great job breaking down today. I think there's a couple things. Number one, I come back to this, you got to get Trace Jackson Davis going again. He hasn't scored more than 17 points in any of his last seven games. Only one, I think he's got 10 double-doubles or 10 or 11 double-doubles this season, only one of those in his last seven. You've got to find ways to get him assertive again. Now, some of that is spacing the floor better for him. Some of it is, is probably also kind of getting with him about you get that post-touch, you go. You, you got That move's got to be quick. You know, again, that ball can't stop. You've got to get it and, and, and pick your direction and you know just, just go with it rather than stopping, letting the defense kind of set up around you trap whatever it is if you're more assertive that way you'll draw more of those fouls you'll get other players in foul trouble etc I don't think Wisconsin is bad in the post but I think Trace Jackson Davis is better than anything they have and that's got to be I think that is a that is a matchup Indiana's got to be able to leverage over the course of this game the other piece of it that's interesting for me is Indiana's got Trey Galloway this time around against Johnny Davis which they didn't before and I don't think Trey Galloway is you know, the Big Ten's best lockdown defender of all time. But Indiana really did not have a, a player that it could trust on Johnny Davis for long stretches. Jordan Geronimo had a decent game in Madison. But even still, there, there wasn't a guy that Indiana could look at and say, you're going to get 28, 30 minutes tonight, and you're going to spend most of them guarding Johnny Davis. 
that's the other part of this matchup that I think is, is a little bit different from, from Indiana's perspective is, you know, can they get Davis? Because they did a good job on him in the first half and then obviously really lost control of him in the second. Can they get him – can it be a 40-minute performance of getting him frustrated, not necessarily taking him out of the offense? Guys like that are going to get some points. But making him less efficient, isolating him within the offense, and not letting guys, not letting him bring other players in around him. And then, yes, the, the other piece of it is they got to make some shots. Um, they had five or six threes in the first half of that game at Wisconsin and then really just, just lost the three-point line as a weapon the rest of that game. When you're at home, some of those have got to go in, and you've just got to be you, – you, and listen, the other part of it too, you know, this is going to sound a little bit like conspiracy home or whatever – Indiana got frustrated at the way Wisconsin goes about its business up in Madison. I don't think that's unfair to say. And, and we can have a separate conversation about some of the stuff Wisconsin gets away with and, you know, some of the, the, the pin and pull and, you know, the, the things Wisconsin does to sell fouls that are probably that, – that, that really should, probably shouldn't be allowed and yada, yada, yada. But that's just part of the deal when you play Wisconsin. And, you know, you're not going to reform however many years of – Big Ten basketball officiating in one night, you need to be able to play through that and not get frustrated. Even Mike Woodson at some level, you know, he he admitted after the Michigan State game, he said, I, I can't talk to them about staying calm and keeping composure when I'm not doing it myself and, and I let myself get away from that. So there's a little bit of that too. But for me, the big, the, the big three things are number one, really getting Trace Jackson Davis going again. Um, number two, how do you defend Johnny Davis? And number three, can you just make some shots? Because I think we also talk about number one and number three, and so you got to make some shots to get Jackson Davis going again. But I think Indiana really was probably getting some quality shots off of a, a better, more assertive, more confident Jackson Davis in the post. Those two things can feed each other a little bit more symbiotically, I think, than you know than than what you'd normally say. Yep, absolutely. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star. Great stuff. You can read Zach's coverage at IndyStar.com slash sports, and he's kind enough to join us Mondays to help us get the week started from an IU perspective. Zach, a big one coming up on Tuesday. Really a big and tough week for this team. Once again, a really tough stretch here for IU, and we'll talk with you next week. Thanks for having me, as always. All right, Zach Osterman with us here on this Monday show. We'll head to a quick break. When we come back, Chad Gilbert is my guest. Chad's the AD at Charlestown, former coach. And, gosh, there's lots of basketball stuff to talk about right now. Silver Creek girls, we had Coach Shane on earlier in the program. The Dragons are headed back to the semi-state for the second straight year. They'll play down at Jeffersonville on Saturday. And lots of big boys games. Providence with a big win over New Albany on Friday night. Floyd Central continues to cruise and more. We'll break all of it down from a local perspective next as we get ready to head to the backside of February. The month of March is just around the corner. Get your text in at 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. That's the Thornton's text line. We've got one more segment coming your way here on this Monday program. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Here's Matt Dennison.
And we're back here on this Monday edition of the show. Don't forget, we do this show each weekday at 11 a.m., complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. And I know that some of you are with us each and every day. I love that. I was out at my uh, one of my leagues yesterday at Clarksville and had so many people say, hey, I listen every day, stream it, even people that don't live in our immediate area that want to hear about stuff locally. And it's great to hear that kind of stuff. But I know some of you just come and go as you can. You're busy. You work during the day. Maybe 11 o'clock live is not a good time for you to listen to the show. Just a reminder that this show is always available as a podcast. You can download uh, to really any place you listen to podcasts for free. All you got to do is search for the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're in so many other podcast hosts. So uh, just give us a search. You can listen on demand. And this is a great time to listen to this show. I mean, I'm, I'm not about self-promotion here, but the month of March, the high school state tournaments, the girls and the boys, and IU really coming down the home stretch in Big Ten Conference play. Are they going to get in the NCAA in Coach Woodson's first year, or, or are they not? Just a lot of fun stuff coming up and a lot of great guests. So make sure you make an effort to be with us, whether it's live at 11 or as a podcast listener. No matter how you join the show each day, we're sure appreciative of you. Chad Gilbert is my guest in this final segment on Mondays. We talk local sports, a lot of basketball. Chad's the athletic director at Charlestown High School, former coach, IHSA executive board member. He's got a long list of titles. And Chad, uh, Romeo Langford, it appears, according to the Spurs, is available tonight when the Spurs play Chicago for some Valentine's Day basketball. And I'll be really curious to see right out of the gate what type of minutes, role, and other things surrounding Romeo in San Antonio that he's going to be able to have the opportunity to do? I think that's a great opportunity for Romeo to step in. You know, he's playing with a Hall of Fame coach. He's going to be in a different environment. And it's kind of a situation where Romeo has been in one team his whole career. He gets to start from scratch knowing some of the things he's known already as a pro that he didn't know coming into Boston. So I think that's an opportunity that you will see Romeo's confidence explode, go off the map. We all have seen Romeo. We know he's a pro. We know he's an NBA all-star caliber type player. This is his opportunity to be able to show that, to be able to have that confidence and to be able to have a fresh start. And I'm like you, Matt. I'm really excited for him and this opportunity, and I hope that he uh, takes advantage of it and does really, really well. All right, Chad, great time of year for basketball. In the girls' tournament, we had Coach Shane with us to start the show today. The Lady Dragons have punched their ticket to the semi-state. They're in the Final Four of Class 3A. And I didn't bring this up with Coach Shane out of respect for his preparations and so forth. But uh, on paper, Chad, the Dragons are the favorite against Indianapolis, uh, Indianapolis Bishop Chittard to get back to the state championship game. What an outstanding job. We were lucky to have host the four or the three A regional last week and saw Gibson Southern, who has a great team coming back. Vincennes Lincoln, whose coach was the former coach at Vincennes Reve, who made four state finals appearances and this is his um uh, uh and made one and won one championship, Tim Young. We had uh Scott Shane, who is a state champion and who will more than likely be in the state finals again this year. And then wrapped that up with Melissa Marlowe at Rushville, who's an Indiana Hall of Famer. So a, a great opportunity to see some really good basketball up here, to see some really well-coached teams. And to host the teams, you get to watch practices. Every team gets to come in for 90 minutes, Matt. And, you're, and as an AD, you're kind of supervising those practices. But as an AD coach, 
former coach, I get to watch those things and learn some things. And they all do things very organized. They are all on time, on target, and they are all fast. They play fast. They practice fast. There's no walking around. There's no loafing around. It's boom, 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 boom to the point. You know, a couple of the teams play music during their practice. A couple of them piped in crowd noise. But to watch them all, Silver Creek and Scott Shane ran the best practice of the four. And that's you know that says a lot about those because all four of those guys are potential Hall of Fame coaches. And to see them just get after it, that shows the style they play, too, is they just flat get after it. I had a conversation with uh, one of our players up here. I said, did you see just see how those girls just went all out? And I said, you know, that's something next year that you've got to do is just go out all out on every play. And that's what Coach Shane has brought to Silver Creek is those kids, you know, when in doubt, they go all out. They, I mean, they just hustle it the entire time for 32 minutes and put a lot of heat on you. And like you said, them playing Chittard on paper, you know, I, I saw in Herald they're a 16-point favorite. Charlestown beat Chittard, fully teamed. Both teams had all their players at the Scottsburg tournament this summer. And the Dragons had their way with us this year, so I, I see no reason for Silver Creek not to make another trip playing at Jeffersonville this year to the state finals. We have been so blessed to have local teams, and Silver Creek's been a huge part of that with the boys and the girls make runs deep into the tournament, get a chance to represent the area in Indianapolis. And, Chad, I want to go back to something you said about the regional and the semi-state at Jeff. Uh, you hosted a great regional on Saturday, a great facility, and you guys pay attention to all of the details, whether it's how you treat the media or how you treat the teams coming in for practices or games. Just a special feel at Charlestown High School, so you should be commended for that. And then kudos again to Jeff as well. I mean, we've got a semi-state the very next week after your regional right here in Clark and Floyd counties. That's amazing to have great postseason hoops here. Well, it's an opportunity that if your team's not playing and you've got some young kids or you've got some daughters or nieces or whoever else coming up, this is an opportunity that you don't have to travel far to see some really good basketball. And that shows if you have a young daughter or a young niece or whatever, a young middle school team, you get to see that atmosphere and think, man, one day I want to be playing at Jeffersonville. We want to get in that atmosphere. I want to be playing at Borden or Henryville or Clarksville, Silver Creek, Scottsburg, wherever it is. Take those kids to those th- to those games and have them be part of that environment. All that will do is motivate that kid to get better and want to be part of something special that Indiana high school basketball is. All right, Chad Gilbert is with me. We're talking a lot of hoops this time of year. We can't leave out the boys, Chad. Providence with a huge win over New Albany over the weekend. Floyd Central continues continues to roll, and I'm just touching on a few of the results that come to mind first. Uh, We are days away from the sectional tournament draw. Uh, We'll know the state tournament pairings coming up here very soon on the boys' side. And then you sent me a text before we came on the air today. I did not realize this, but Selection Sunday, by your count, 27 days away as far as college hoops goes. That is also very exciting. Uh, Can you believe it's that time of year, Matt? You think about it. We're Valentine's Day, you know, uh, February 14th. February's 28 days long. We've got two weeks until it's the first week in March. A lot of excitement, a lot of great basketball being played. You know, and as a coach and as a player, there shouldn't be any shuffling around in starting lineups or anything else at this time of the year. You know who you're going with. As As the tournament gets closer, the benches get tighter. You know, you're playing, you go from playing eight, nine, ten guys to maybe that rotation comes down six or seven. 
and that way at, at you, you've got your best position to win the games. I think you want to be playing your best basketball this time of year, and our coaches are putting that, putting themselves in a spot where this is where you want to be at. You, know, you talked about all the big wins. i got to give Coach Lynch and the Pirates another uh, prop on getting a big win Friday night against Austin. We have a chance to get a big win Tuesday night. We're recognizing our middle school teams against South Central and then go to Salem where my old teammate Hank Whedon is the athletic director, and we hope to go up there and catch another win, riding some momentum into the postseason. So it's a, it's a big time. Um, to get your kids playing your very best, but it's a lot of fun as a coach to know that you know this is what you're playing for. All right, one other boys basketball topic. You've been involved in this great rivalry series over the years. Jeff at New Albany, Wednesday night. It's a makeup game from a Friday night in early January when Jeff was out with COVID. Uh, it's going to be a great game. Jeff is, uh, I think, bouncing back, trying to figure themselves out here this month. And New Albany's had good moments and bad moments, and the Providence game wasn't one of their better moments this season, but they did rebound and muster a win against Silver Creek on Saturday afternoon. So I think it'll be a competitive game, but from a coaching standpoint, and even from a spectator standpoint, even for me, we're going to have the, the broadcast here on the Big X. Wednesday night, Jeff, New Albany, that rivalry, it's just different. It doesn't feel the same. Matt, I think you hit it on the head. You know, we're basketball guys. We talk, we got threads, we got everything going basketball. You said that. I didn't realize it was this Wednesday. That's how underplayed when you don't play it in the game, when it's supposed to be scheduled, that's how underplayed it gets. I hope for Southern Indiana, for Jeffersonville, for New Albany, that we can get a lot of fans. I hope the students get out there in full force, and let's make this a hyped-up game. Let's make it a big deal because the Jeff New Albany rivalry is one of the best in the state, and there's a great a great chance that these two could hook up Lockhorns next in you know two weeks at Seymour, but that regular season game is always something special because it's that first week back from uh, Christmas break, it's that first Friday, and you get a packed house. I think that we owe it to our our teams, our fans, and not just the Jeff New Albany game, but to all our high school games. Let's pack it out these last two weeks. Let's give our kids an opportunity to our seniors to go off in the in the sunset on a good note and our underclassmen, you know, an opportunity to really work hard in the offseason. Absolutely. Chad Gilbert with me on Mondays. Chad, I love having you on year-round. Um, hear a lot about people enjoying our segment and the banner back and forth. Uh, but this time uh, of year is, is always a great way to start our Monday because hoops in our state still means a lot. And I think you and I both share not only a passion for the game, but we, we like the history, we like the people involved, we like the behind-the-scenes stuff. So I hope listeners appreciate what you bring us on Mondays because it's sure a fun segment for me this time of year especially. Oh, it's a, it's a great segment, Matt. I enjoy being on here. And I, and I enjoy, you know, seeing our young people have an opportunity to excel, seeing our local high school teams be known on the state level. That's what all this is about. And, Matt, that stuff couldn't be done without the notoriety, without the support, without the way you put teams on pedestals in Southern Indiana and give them that platform to perform. So thank you for all you do for Southern Indiana sports and our athletes. Thank you very much. Chad Gilbert with me Mondays. Chad, next week we'll be a week closer to March Madness, to the boys' sectionals, the girls' state finals. We look forward already to that conversation. Matt, I appreciate the run. Thanks for everything you do. And it's that time of year, you know, you, when you walk in the gym, your hands get sweaty, you know, it's <laughs> basketball, it, you know, it matters this time of the year. No question. No, absolutely. Well-spoken. Chad Gilbert with us. Chad AD at Charlestown, former coach in the area, IHSA executive board member. And that's our program for this Monday. IU tomorrow night, 
We've got New Albany and Jeff on Wednesday night. Busy, busy week here on the Big X and a great week for you to join us each day at 11 o'clock for the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.